We're so glad uh, that you guys chose to come and join us tonight in our, in our celebration of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we don't do this often, um, but there's a night like tonight um, where we, we come together to celebrate this great day, um, to come and, and to read this biblical account of Christ's birth. So we're going to do that this evening. We're going to read um, through a lot of it. And, and I just invite you guys to take a seat and to, to just listen to these words as we look at this biblical account of Christ's birth, starting in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And this is what it reads. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the Lord's servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, which said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went up to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, 
because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Luke 2, verses 21 through 38. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. 
And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their country by another way. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. 
And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Luke chapter 2, 39 through 40. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Hmm. Amen. It is good that we sit under the word this evening, as it is every day. On a night like this, to sit under a lengthy piece of scripture and remember what this is all about, it's just not some made-up story that it's real, that that word that we just read became flesh, and that's what we rejoice in. So Merry Christmas to you and all of your family who are here tonight. You know, the truth is, is that sometimes we do forget that the story of Christmas is not some script that was made in Hollywood that gained cult-like status, uh, goonies with better morals some would say. It's not. It's the personal account of Jesus, God's own child, God in flesh, fully human, fully man. And the scriptures that we just read through this evening so beautifully are the firsthand accounts of those who actually knew Jesus. They walked with him. They loved him. They served with him. They ate with him. But what can be striking as we read through these scriptures, this chronological account of the birth of Jesus and his early childhood, as we did, is the sheer unpreparedness and surprise of those in the story. It wasn't as if this moment wasn't something that they were looking forward to. These people long suffered for the Messiah to come into the world. They long expected the Savior to come. We know this because immediately after the fall, the fall of man in Genesis 3, where man trusted his own wisdom over God's, that as God was driving mankind out of the garden, he looked at his creation and said that from you, woman, will become a seed that will crush the head of the snake, of Satan, of sin. And God was telling his people that someday out of you will come one that will make all of this right again, that will restore all things. Prophets would come and go and they would tell of the coming Messiah. They would tell us that God was going to come and rescue his people. And those people longed, anticipated, hoped for him to come. Zechariah, one of the 12 minor prophets in our Old Testament, cries out, in Zechariah 9, he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughters of Jerusalem, for your king is coming to you with righteousness and salvation is he. And so there is anticipation, there is knowledge, there is foreshadowing, there is hoping, but yet when we read the biblical account of the birth of Christ, it all seems so unexpected to them. All of these things had been prophesied. Jesus had long been expected, but yet we see in the story, even Mary greatly troubled by the angel and what they were saying, trying to decipher what sort of greeting this would be. You would think that in this expectation, 
to be picked as the one that would carry God's child would call for an emotion just a little north of fear and trembling. And then you have the, the people in the fields that came from the shepherds, that heard the shepherds, that wondered at all the shepherds had said. A baby? What? Far less than one would think you would hear if everything that you would ever hope for had been cemented in a moment. And then you have Joseph who, who needed an angel in a dream to confirm that Mary wasn't just some adulterous woman. Nothing in that suggesting that this was a remote, plausible situation that one would expect to happen. And we see those in Bethlehem who reserve no space for the coming born king of the world, left to be born undignified in a stable, even though the prophecy in the Old Testament would tell them, Bethlehem, you who are small, out of you will come a ruler that will come from the days of eternity. You would think with that sort of distinction awaiting them, that they would have considered holding a reservation and just in case. And Herod, who is troubled by a king that is going to be worshipped by other people, little did he know that a baby would uproot his entire kingdom. All of them looking, expecting Christ, but yet seemingly looking for something very different. And what proved to be true about Jesus, this child, was that he is not what the people proved to want, nor what they were anticipating. They were long hoping for something different, not really understanding what they really needed. For generations, people had hoped for this Christ child, that he would come, that, and they expected that he would come with a crown of gold, prestigious and glorious and exalted, with an iron fist, and he would crush their opponents. They want a powerful king, but yet, on this night, they got a baby. Son of God. They wanted a military leader, but instead they got a common child without a sword, no armored God, guard, just held in his mother's arms. I think the story of Christmas still speaks very much to us today. And not just in the significance of this baby, but very much in the way that he came. We know some of the unexpected reasons, the unheralded birth of Christ. We know why those things needed to happen today. We have the book, we've got the Bible, we've got the context, but people in this day did not. Tonight, I can't help but thinking that you are, there are some of you in this room who may have also believed that Jesus was gonna come a little bit different in your life. Maybe you share some commonality with our ancestors. Maybe you wish Jesus would have come a little bit closer to what you want or you desired or what you expected. Maybe Jesus caught you a little off guard, off point. Maybe you think Jesus, in your humble opinion, has missed the point entirely. Maybe you're in here tonight and you thought that Jesus would come in a way that he would have granted you something different in your life by now. Maybe you thought he would come in a way where life would be a little easier, that he'd come in a way where you'd have less problems and a little bit more prosperity. And maybe you're left thinking, who is this one they call the Prince of Peace? 
Maybe you're in here tonight and, and you thought that Jesus would come in a way that that loved one, he or she would still be here tonight sitting next to you. And you might think, where is this wonderful counselor? And maybe you thought tonight that Jesus would have come in a way that you would be less lonely in the season, that he would have brought you friendships. And you ask, who is this mighty God? Or maybe you thought that Jesus would come in a way that your body and the world around you was not fracturing and crumbling. That he would come in a way that you wouldn't just be hanging on by a string. And maybe tonight you're questioning who this everlasting father is. Or maybe tonight you're in here and you thought Jesus would come in a way that you wouldn't find yourself so woefully disappointing. Woefully disappointed with the current version of yourself. You thought that Jesus would come in a way that you'd have this thing figured out more by now. And you're left wondering who this King of Kings is. But I think in all cases, and many, many others that are in here tonight, I think it's fair to say that the same thing that we observe in this moment in Bethlehem and God's incarnation is true for us tonight. That God will never be what we expect him to be. But he will always be what we need. Certainly our God is a promise maker. And certainly we can expect him to keep his promises. It just won't be the way that you expect it to be. You know, culturally we've labeled this idea of unmet desires and unfulfilled expectations as failure, as bad. A person that doesn't meet their goals at work is labeled as unproductive and a poor performer. Somebody who's not able to engineer solutions to a problem is labeled unintelligent. If you're a mother or a father and your children won't misbehave or most won't behave, you're labeled as neglectful. If you're a person and you don't live up to your own expectations, you become riddled with guilt and shame that lead into self-hate. We are conditioned to believe that things not coming the way they want them to or not being what we need them to be as unredeemable and bad. But yet, when we read the story of the incarnation, even in the story of God himself through the holistic reading of Scripture, God always seems to come in unexpected ways by unexpected means. What we celebrate tonight is the chief example. Our King, our Savior, a creator God taking the form of a baby, fragile and dependent. But yet when we consider the way that God has come and still comes, and one pauses to think about it, we come to understand that it's not failure and it's not underwhelming, but rather it is a stroke of unrelenting love from God to us when we consider the disposition of this world we are a people that have a temperament to worship ourselves instead of our creator. We in our scriptures see of ourselves and our story as a story of pride and unwillingness. We are a creation that seeks pleasure for themselves 
Our scriptures write that there is no one on this earth, not one that worships God. It is not natural for us to seek God. And so the question I consider is, do I really think that I would love and worship God if he always met my desires, my wants, and my expectations? Or do I think that it's much more likely that I would just continue to worship myself? If we got all the things that we wanted in the ways that we expected them to be, do we really think that we would see our need for God? And look, I'm not suggesting that God is in the cosmos pulling the strings and making your life miserable. But what I am saying is that God will use whatever is at his disposal in this current world, in this current state, to bring his people nearer him, to show this creation his glory and his power. You know, when I reflect on my own life, it has been the moments in a heartache, the moments of pure chaos, in the land of unmet desire and expectation that I have been nearest God. My faith, my love, my dependency on God has been shaped and grow far more when God doesn't come the way that I want him to in ways that I have never asked him to come in hard things. Hard things like our miscarriage and the expectation that this would be a first Christmas for a child through humbling confession of sin to my friends, my wife, and my God, through utter chaos that spiraled, through people leaving, through failures in my leadership both at home and here. But I can stand here today and tell you that I think I look more like Jesus today, not fully, but a better image because of those things. Certainly more than I would have if things had gone the way I expected and hoped. It seems an undesirable place to us that God would most often meet us between our unsatisfied expectations and our fears. That often the days that seem most convincing that God is not real prove to be the days that he seems the nearest. Guys, a God that would submit to my expectations and my desires does not tend to lend me to worship him. It lends me to worship myself. We will find ourselves nearer God when things don't go to our plans. Because it is in those moments that we are left with no answers, that we are face to face with our utter unpreparedness and incapability. It is in those moments that we taste the bitterness of life. It is in those moments that we consider that there is a better answer than me. And as hard as it is to say, these are the graces of God. Those unexpected, undesired moments of interruptions where Jesus comes in a way that I never expected. Certainly, I wouldn't ask to go through some of the things that I've gone in my past, and certainly there are scores of you in this room that wouldn't either. But without a doubt, God interrupts our lives in such different ways, unexpected ways, to save us from ourselves. Because we have a worship problem you know, over 2,000 years ago, God interrupted the world by 
means in which power and authority and nobility and title were all put on their heels. And tonight we are reminded that he has come in a way that has put us all on our heels. He's not short of what we could comprehend because he is not one to ever have been comprehended. He arrives short of our expectations because he's not obliged to our expectations. He stops short of what we want because what we want is most often what, what, not what we need. What we come to see in the arrival of this Christ child, this incarnation, is not a God that arrives nearer my wants and desires and expectations, but one that begs me to come. As did the shepherds and the magi, to come and marvel, to come and worship to come and adore and behold. Let us not wait for God to come how we want, but let us come to him to adore who he is and what he's done. And we will find exactly what these people in the story of Christmas found. Not a God who is lackluster or disappointing, but one that proves to be worthy worthy of all of our love, all of our adoration, and all of our lives. He will prove by being what we need to far exceed what we could ever desire. Don't let me make you believe that God is not a God that exceeds our expectations. He's just not what you expect. But he's exceptionally superior and exactly what we need. And we will not find lacking in him. First, we must humble ourselves to love God and love that God that loves us enough to never be what we expect. That we might for ourselves through that valley of unmet expectations and fear come to see how much we need him. Now, tonight, I just want to remind you of the words of Isaiah who wrote some 900 years before the birth of this child that we come here to anticipate a prophecy about this coming Messiah. And this is what he said. He said, For us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He has arrived, and he has proven to be all that we need in every way that we could hope. Mary and the shepherds and the flocks and Joseph and those in Bethlehem all found this unexpected interruption of the baby Christ to be more than sufficient, to be more than enough. And so the question that I ask you tonight is, do you have room? Have you made room? Could you tonight come to see? as hard as it may be, that God doesn't come the way that you want. He doesn't give you what you want, but he proves to be sufficient and willing to be everything that you need, able to carry your weary condition, able to carry your burdens, to anchor your soul, to make peace. But he begs us to come, to come and die, Come to him, all you who are burdened, to come and adore. 
the Savior that is not what we want, but the one that we need.